So this year for Lent, we've been considering this 40-day season before Easter as a time of spiritual gardening, inviting God to unearth in us what lies fallow, what needs to be discarded, what needs to, be di- what needs to die, what needs to be tended and cultivated and fertilized for, for new life to emerge, for us to grow. The first Sunday, we uh, looked at the temptation or the rocks that can get in the way that can hinder our growth and how we can look to, to, to Jesus, to his power and his presence to help us uh, pass those rocks to the side. And then last week, we talked about how Jesus, longed and des- how Jesus longs and desires to gather us as a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And that gathering is always a, a part of how God creates that. When God creates, God first gathers. Before there is growth, there is gathering. This morning, we get a picture of how God is patient with us and helps us to bear fruit even when we may seem barren or fruitless. And what this participatory patience on God's part might cultivate in us. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, that it would grow us and transform us, that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 13, uh, beginning with the first verse. Some who were present on that occasion told Jesus about the Galileans whom Pilate had killed while they were offering sacrifices. He replied, do you think the suffering of these Galileans proves that they were more sinful than all the other Galileans? No. I tell you, but unless you change your hearts and lives, you will die just like they did. What about those 18 people who were killed when the Tower of Asylum fell on them? Do you think they were more guilty of the wrongdoing than everyone else, than everyone else who lives in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you change your hearts and lives, you will die just as they did. Jesus told them this parable. A man owned a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came looking for fruit on it and found none. He said to his gardener, look, I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree for the past three years, and I've never found any. Cut it down. Why should it continue depleting the soil's nutrients? The gardener responded, Lord, give it one more year and I will dig around it and give it fertilizer. Maybe it will produce fruit next year. If not, then you can cut it down. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Fruitless, barren, once planted with great potential and promise. Fig tree planted by a farmer would typically produce two Uh, Two crops of figs each year. But this fruit tree has, this fig tree has no fruit bending down its branches. For three years in a row, the landowner has come by to see if the fig tree has figs on its branches. And each year, the answer is apparently no. Now, according to Jewish law in Leviticus, a fig tree was actually considered unclean for the first three years. 
So does this mean that this tree hasn't actually produced in six years? Regardless of of the exact number of years, I mean, the point is the same and the point is clear. This tree is empty. It's barren. It's not doing what it was supposed to be doing. It's not producing. It's, It's taking up valuable space at this point in a limited, limited fertile soil. So it's a liability now. Cut it down, the landowner tells the gardener. We know what it is to be this fig tree, don't we? There have been times in our lives when seasons when we felt like the fig tree. Useless, dried up, not fruitful. We we know what it is to be deemed or to feel worthless. Like we're a liability. Existing but not producing. We can relate to seasons of of barrenness or, or seeming fruitlessness in terms of our ideas, our dreams, our potential, our our spiritual lives, our family, our relationships, our jobs. Maybe the creativity that, that used to energize you and lead to great ideas is not there. Maybe you feel stalled in your job or your career. Maybe you feel like the spiritual fruit that you desire is just not there. And you're spiritually surviving but not thriving. Maybe a a relationship has withered or or you've grown distant from someone. Perhaps you look back over the past two years and feel like the fig tree. Seasons of barrenness come in a variety of forms. And our our response is often to try and either muster and produce fruit under our own strength or to wallow in shame and, and disappointment, hope, hopelessly, haplessly waiting for some uh, proverbial axe to fall. We know what it is to be the fig tree. If we're honest with ourselves, we also know what it is to be the landowner. To view the world, our lives, the lives of others through that lens. Calculating and evaluating worth based on what we accomplish or what we produce or what we provide. What good am I? What good is someone if they don't get to all the items on their to-do list? How can someone feel good and and, and worthy if they didn't win or contribute and and our worth ebbs and flows with the tides of our successes and our failures? There's only a limited amount of time, a limited amount of resources, and the fruitful ones stay and the others have to go. In this logic, we want things to be fair, you know? Rewarded for being productive and doing good and punishment and shame for doing bad or not contributing. This tree hasn't produced in three years. It's what it's supposed to do. Cut it down. That's what it deserves. This person hasn't gotten back on their feet after, after multiple chances. It ain't going to happen. Those Galileans were murdered by, that were murdered by Pilate, they must have been bad people, right, Jesus? Those people crushed by the tower, they, they must have been more sinful than, than the others. We heard that kind of talk after Haiti, the earthquake in Haiti. 
after Hurricane Katrina. We know this worldview. How long are you willing to let a tree or plant go that looks totally fruitless and barren before you cut it down? I I talked two weeks ago about a patio in our backyard that we had put in. There's another part to this story, too. We had a jasmine vine that was growing on top of a, a pergola that was over top of the space where the new patio uh, was going to go. It was very green, very fruitful, growing like crazy. When they excavated for the new patio, they had no choice but to cut many of this vine's roots. And our contractor told us, he said, look, I can't promise you this vine is going to make it. I had to cut a lot of roots when we were excavating. Well, sure enough, it started to die, or so I thought. Uh, the leaves withered. They fell off. It stopped growing. We watched it for several weeks. It didn't look like it was getting any better. To be perfectly honest with you, I was ready to cut it down. It wasn't going to be fruitful anymore. And the leaves are falling. It looks dead. My wife, on the other hand, said, let's let's give it a little more time. I've read that they're really hardy. Let's ask someone who knows more about them, like how, how we can care for it. And, and so, so she did. She reached out to someone. We got some great coaching. We, we started caring for it. And then lo and behold, uh, one morning, several months later, we, we were out there. We noticed like a new shoot that had come out with a green leaf on it. And now over a year later, that vine is very much alive and well. It's fruitful. My lovely wife had the patience and commitment to to give this vine another chance and helped it along the way. I was ready to say, let's chop it down. She was willing to give it another chance, second chance. That is the good news, friends, of this parable too. The good news is that our second chance God is like the gardener. And we can read this parable, uh, if we're not careful, we can just tend to, to almost default reading it allegorically where we might just assume that the landowner is God and the gardener is Jesus. But nowhere in the Gospel of Luke does Jesus teach about a vindictive God that needs to be soothed by a friendly Jesus. No, God sees us even in our barrenness and is patient with us. Even when we're not producing the fruit that God desires us to produce, God is patient with us, working with us so that we might yet bear fruit. God's mercy is God's patience, and God's patience is mercy. And it seems the answer to our fruitlessness, our barrenness, our wilderness, our wasteland is not punishment or abandonment, but patient participation. Patient participation. Not only does the gardener tell the landowner to give the tree more time, but he does the work to help bring it along. There is a sense of urgency for the tree. I mean, life is fragile after all. But this urgency for the tree is matched by the sense of urgency from the gardener. He's committed. He's all in to cultivate fruitfulness. So with loving and dirt-covered hands, he digs through the soil to dig a trench. Around the tree giving space for water to sink in, 
deep when it rains. He takes manure and spreads it around so that its nutrients can work their miracles. Friends, God does the same thing with us. When we feel like the fig tree in a season of barrenness, fruitlessness, hopelessness, worthlessness, knowing that we we can't simply muscle forth fruit out of our own strength. God, our God of the second chance, is patiently participatory with us. God doesn't just give us another chance and then leave us alone. God is willing to, to get dirty and get into the very heart of our lives. There is a sense of urgency to it. Life is fragile, after all. I mean, the tragedies that Jesus spoke about in the parable and the urgency that he spoke of, the tragedy we see before shows us that life is fragile. But this sense of urgency to bear fruit for God is matched by the sense of urgency from Jesus to help bring it forth, to help us bring it about. Because the God who desires fruitfulness is also the God willing to help bring it forth. And so like a gardener, God digs trenches and streams through our lives. Maybe even sometimes it, where it's hard, where it's become compacted, creating space for us to be nourished by the living waters of grace. Sometimes that might be uncomfortable, but it's always life-giving. And God fertilizes our identity, our being with reminders or moments or scripture passages or, or, or worship experiences or bread and cup to stimulate growth. You know what? Sometimes God even, God even takes the crap of our lives and uses it like compost to fertilize us so that once again we might bear fruit. Because God is patient and God is participatory. It reminds me of a program called Jobs for Life. And one of the things they really focus on is working with formerly incarcerated individuals to help build up their sense of dignity and self-worth and to give them the tools that they need to find a secure job. Because there's a difference. What they know is that there's a difference between someone being given a second chance simply by being let out of prison or jail and someone being given a second chance, set free from prison, while also having people come alongside them to do the hard work of helping them to grow and develop confidence and skills to to flourish and to bear fruit. The transformation of people who engage in this program is remarkable, from feeling barren and waste and and no worth and value to having a great sense of dignity and, and purpose moving from fruitlessness to fruitfulness. Not about what we can muster. Not about trying, trying harder to somehow will fruit into being. Big tree can't work itself out of barrenness, and we can't either. It's about turning to God and letting God get to work. Letting God get to work to, to bring forth the fruit that we could not have produced on our own because God is patient and God is participatory with us. The gardener in the story 
asks the landover for, for one more year and begins the work of cultivating. Maybe it will produce in the next year. In the end, we're left hanging, aren't we? We're left hanging. We're left wondering, did it? What, what happened to the fig tree? We don't know. We don't find out. Maybe that means somehow we're invited or, or we're supposed to, to live it out with our lives. Maybe in response to a God who is patiently participatory with us so that we might bear fruit even in seasons of barrenness, we're invited to cultivate something too. Maybe, maybe we're invited to cultivate the vision of the gardener. Maybe that's what God desires from us. What would it mean to, to see the world through the eyes of the great gardener? Through the eyes of Jesus. What would it mean to have the patience and the persistence and the hope and the creativity to look at a person or a place or a situation that may look barren or not fruitful and not bring an axe, but a trowel and some manure? To see, based on what we or they or it is becoming, not was or is. What would it mean to have the gaze, to have the posture of the gardener, of Jesus, to be, to be so patiently devoted to, to cultivating that even though we might not know if it will yet bear fruit, we're still willing to dig a trench, still willing to put on some fertilizer. Or we're still willing not just to give a chance, not just to see potential where others don't, but willing to walk alongside, willing to do the work because God has done that with us. Who knows, friends? Maybe, maybe it means our hands would look a lot more like this. And maybe, maybe we would recognize that there's actually fruit there too. In the patience, in the participation, in the cultivating.